science, it's like, well, you count as a lot more important than me, so it's like kind of weird to think of them that way. But after a while, you think like, that's like Yeah, that is, that's a good point. I mean, to think about being friends with the king of the universe is kind of a funny way to put it, right? Any other thoughts? Can we really be friends with Jesus? Yes. I think it's also hard because like, as a human, you can't really see Jesus. So it's hard to always believe that he's there with you sometimes. So imagine being a friend with that person is sometimes hard because, you know, you're like, Yeah, that's really a good point. I mean, doesn't Jesus just kind of fall into a category of like imaginary friends? Like we all have imaginary friends because we can't see them. They aren't really there or not, you know, like this, this question of we can't really see him. And, and so I think, you know, in the church, we don't really believe he's not really there, but we, we, we really can't see him. He's not there in the sense that our human friends are there, right? I think we kind of pair the words friend and bud, like buddies. Uh I mean, you'll go out with your friends and you like mess around with each other, but I guess you won't do that with Jesus. Yeah, you may. Uh huh. Right. So we, you know, just projecting what we think of friendship is onto Jesus might feel a little unnatural. That that's not really what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good, at least. It's also kind of interesting, just the relationship there, because, um, like, Jesus is your perfect friend, and as friends, you know, you, like, there's different things you bear with one another, but it's more that he is, he's bearing everything for you as a friend. It's not like you can give anything to Jesus. He just, he's just taking it, and he's like that perfect friend. We were just, it's, it's hard to put it back, because usually as friends, you bear one another birth yeah that's a really good point it's a very lopsided friendship isn't it and for a lot of us we you know if we get into a lopsided friendship where one friend seems to be like really good at everything and we're the ones who are always the ones who are failing we kind of stop calling it a friendship we call it like a mentorship or something like that but it's but it, it really is a friendship it's a type of friendship and so Let's talk about the Bible for a minute. I'm going to call on you guys to use your brains and use your Bible knowledge. And if you have no idea kind of what I'm saying, that's, uh, or if you have no idea how to answer these questions, that's okay. But I hope that it encourages you to think, I should be reading my Bible so I can answer these types of questions. So question is, does the Bible say anything about Jesus being our friend? And where? It has to somewhere. It has to somewhere. Nick's talking about it. <laughs> yeah? I mean... I think maybe in like uh, John, like when he says, like abide in me, like at the end, that a friend would give his life, life for seldom anyone, but for a friend, Jesus gave his life for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's in, and you're in, right in the right book. So John, so John fifteen fifteen says, "No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing." But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you, right? So Jesus calls 
people friends. And who's he talking to right then and there? Do you guys know? And he's kind of giving that talk. Is it to like the masses? Is it to one person? Any thoughts? You know? His disciples, right? So Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples. I call you friends. And he uses that word friend, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just like use all the gospels and Jesus with his disciples, like just yeah good so do you see his relationship there who was jesus's closest relationship with on earth okay yeah and how do we know it was with john what makes us kind of clues us off to that any ideas yeah so john refers to himself in his gospel as the one that jesus loved or the beloved disciple this is the we get the impression that Jesus was kind of, John was Jesus' closest friend in that sense of, of human friendship. And then he had James and Peter were kind of like the inner three and then the other disciples. So, excellent. So yeah, so Jesus uses the word friends to talk about people. And he, and he actually, in numerous occasions throughout the Gospels, when he's talking to people, he just says, my friends. He calls them my friends as he talks to them and as he instructs them. So Jesus is very much aware of this term friend, and he uses it. And so, like I said, this is the climax of our series because, as we see, Jesus fulfills the marks of a true friend. So we talked, just even now, we said that it's a little bit awkward to call Jesus our friend because he's perfect and so much higher above us. But when we look at these marks of true friendship that we've been going through this whole semester— and we start looking at Jesus, what we realize is Jesus fulfills each mark of what a true friend is. So Jesus is a friend. He is the true friend. He, in fact, he defines what a true friend looks like by his actions. But before we get to how Jesus is our greatest friend and how he fulfills these, let's ask this question. Who is Jesus friends with? Who is Jesus friends with? Who, who does it apply to? Who does his friendship apply to you? Who is he friends with? Drew? With anyone who accepts him. Okay, so you say with anyone who accepts him as Savior. Okay. Any other thoughts? Alright. Well, that's not what Drew said. Drew said no. anyone who accepts him as sure. Savior. So he was hanging, but you're, you're right too. So you're, yeah. what are you saying? He definitely was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. Okay, he was making friends with them, yeah. I think he offers friendship to everyone, but it's only the ones who accept him that want to also be friends with him. Right, so he offers it to everyone, but there's only those who accept it are his true friends. And, and that's a really important distinction for us to start with. So we're going to start with this question, who is Jesus friends with? Okay, so who are Jesus' friends? Have you guys encountered like in i don't know if you would encounter this in a class or whatnot but but my opinion what i found at least is that most people generally like jesus whether it doesn't really matter what religion they're in or, or even if they're christian people or they go to church or not when, when they talk about jesus most people like him that he was a, a, a good guy that he did good stuff and and he's a likable guy uh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm not sure if that was a question or a statement. I guess it was a statement. Okay. Um, the problem, though, is what we mean by that, right? The problem is, what do we mean when we say Jesus liked 
everyone, that, that he was friends with everyone. I think some people are going to say it means that Jesus accepted everyone, right? Because Jesus hung out with tax collectors and, and sinners. That's very clear. AKA, Jesus was friends with anybody. And, and you could go down that road and you could say Jesus wasn't exclusive. Like, Modern-day Christians are exclusive, or the church is exclusive. Jesus wasn't exclusive. He accepted everybody. He was friends with everybody. Um, you guys ever heard people talk about how Jesus was like, like they're trying to be edgy and say, Jesus you know, would go to parties, and he'd turn water into wine, so he was like the life of the party. This is a popular college concept. Like, like, it justifies your party habits because Jesus did it or something like that. But it's kind of this idea that, like, Jesus wasn't like all the religious leaders and pastors that we see today who, who are all talking about righteousness and what you can and you cannot do. Jesus was a good guy. He was your bud. He'd, he'd hang out with you and do whatever you wanted to, right? Um, I read a blog article, and in the blog article... Uh, this guy said, text in, uh, why do you love your friend Jesus to me? And I'm going to put it in a blog article. So people texted in all the reasons they thought Jesus was just the greatest friend. And hear what these people said, a couple of things. And tell me, do any of them sound off at all? And why? why does One person texted in, I love my friend Jesus because he's just straight up. No hesitations, no qualifications, no ifs ands or buts, he just loves me. What do you guys think? Is that the Jesus of the Gospels? Why not? Say that again? Okay. What do you mean by that? Okay, yeah. So we might want to redefine. So I think he's saying what straight up means. It's that there's Jesus has no hesitations, there's no qualifications, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Drew? Um, you, uh, you have to accept him uh, to really like, have it be like... Because <coughs> it's, it's a one-way relationship, because if you haven't accepted God, he's not like really... Well, he's... Like Katie said, he's... Yeah, but he offers his friendship, but it has to be accepted, right? Something has to happen on your end, okay? Here's another one that kind of gets maybe to the more to the heart of the issue. It says this, I love my friend Jesus because I can just be myself with him. Does Jesus want you to just stay yourself? It's like the first one and the second one. Sure, and of course these are yeah. just little yeah. texts, so we can't read it into them all the way. Yeah, but it could have that feel, it right? Just feels like <laughs> yeah, and, and we talked about that, you know, earlier this year where we said, "I want friends who aren't happy with me just being myself. That I want a friend who wants me to be better than myself, better than the myself myself I am today. I want to be a better myself." tomorrow and I want a friend who's going to help me get there. And so I think that when we read these, we're getting a good picture of, of maybe the popular concept of what Jesus as friend is. It's, it's this, he's your buddy, he's 
He's always there for you. He never is going to like make you feel bad about who you are. But we're going to read a few things that Jesus has to say about who we are. And if you are intent on staying the way you are, then I think they're going to make you feel kind of bad. So we're going to get to those in just a minute. All right. So that's, that's the view that's out in the world. So let's talk about who is Jesus really friends with. Well, it says in Luke 7, 34, that the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Okay, so that's the religious Pharisees definitely saw Jesus hanging out with people that they didn't like, and they're saying, Jesus hangs out with sinners. So we're very much on the right track to say, Jesus is a friend of sinners, okay? That's what, um, obviously, we just sang this song. But what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, it, it comes, these words come out of that idea that Jesus is a friend of sinners. That what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, okay? But we see throughout the Gospels that every time Jesus' friendship with sinners comes up, Jesus is hanging out with those sinners for a reason, He's not just hanging out with them to, to kind of be anti-establishment. He's not just going against what the religious leaders were doing and, and choosing a new way. And he's going to have church at the coffee shop and sip on lattes and talk about, you know, postmodern things. He, he's, he has a reason for what he's doing. And the reason is to sit down with them. And, and here's actually what the reason is. Jesus sits down with them and Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so when they grumbled that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and, and sinners, Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the truth is, Jesus came to get those sinners to repent. Right? That's why he's befriending them. He's befriending them to save them so that they would repent and come and follow him which means that Jesus is not a friend of all sinners. He offers his friendship to all sinners, but he is not, at the end of the day, their friend if they reject him. And if they choose not to face up to their sin and to repent of their sin. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what it's teaching us. Um, uh, another article I read by a guy named Kevin DeYoung, he says... What we see from the composite of these passages is that sinners were drawn to Jesus. We see that, right? I mean, Jesus fed the 5,000 for a reason, because people are drawn to him in the thousands. That Jesus gladly spent time with sinners who were open to his teaching, and that Jesus forgave repentant sinners, and that Jesus embraced sinners who believed in him. So Jesus does offer his friendship to all, but those who actually get it are those who repent and believe and follow. And another person who tweeted in on this blog article, what they tweeted in is they said, I love my friend Jesus because he took my death, even though he had plenty of time to think it over and every reason to say no. I think it's a little more in line with why Jesus is my friend. He took my death. This person understands why Jesus really is their friend. Um... Okay, so that's kind of point number one. So that's why um, we can see who, Je or that's how we see who Jesus is friends with. Um, so let's ask the question now, how is Jesus our greatest friend? Let's go through, can you guys remember, we had a bunch of C's that stood out for what true friendship is. Does remember any of them? Evan? Say it again. 
All right, so those are two of them. We've got candid and we've got careful. What other marks of a true friend did we study this past semester? Candid, careful. Consistent. Consistent. Good. Consistent. Yep. Christ-centered. That was the last one we did. Christ-centered. A <coughs> couple more. We did candid, careful. What did you say? Consistent. Okay, consistent. Yeah, constant was what we said. Constant. Same thing. Constant, Christ-centered. So there's two more. That's a good one, but that wasn't one of them. <laughs> I'm sure a true friend is caring. Yeah. Uh, committed kind of goes under constant. Yeah. Crucial. Like we all need friends, right? We said it's not good for man to be alone. And the last one starts with a C, though. They're all, they all start with C's is what we're going for. Yes, they are loving, though, at least. You're right. True friends are loving. Yes. Close. Close. Are you looking at your notes? Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's always one who goes and finds them. But at least she took notes, so it's great. Yeah, that was it. So two of them don't really apply to Jesus. So like true friends are Christ-centered. Well, he's Christ. So, okay, so we're not going to talk about how Jesus is Christ-centered. He, he was. He talked about himself a lot. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus was Christ-centered, okay? Um, true friendship is crucial. Uh, Jesus was there in the beginning. He's the one... Uh, creating and so yes he's, he made us with the need for relationship so we're going to talk about the four other characteristics of true friendship and how Jesus fulfills them and we'll go quickly through them okay I don't know why I picked this up I don't have any slides okay true friendship is close so we started off with close by saying that Proverbs 18.24 says a man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and so what we said about this proverb is we said it's probably assuming that there's some sort of trial going on in this person's life and that the true friend stays close to them when the trials hit whereas a man who has many companions they all desert him in the midst of the trials well jesus he took this proverb to another level in john 15 when he says greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends that's jesus's definition of friendship that's what, he, that's what the proverb is saying. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus says, well, you know how close a true friend sticks? A true friend sticks so close that when your friend's life is in danger, you step in front of them and you take the bullet for them. Okay? So that's what true friendship is. So he, he defines true friendship, and then he goes on to fulfill it, right? So John chapter 10, he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What Jesus is predicting is that he is going to be our truest friend. And then in Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus is our closest friend because he has committed the truest act of friendship. That he has actually given his life in our place. And you don't have to wonder, will Jesus be my truest friend? Because what Jesus has done for us is in the past, right? And so Jesus is your truest friend. Jesus is your greatest friend right now if you will simply accept him as your greatest friend. He has given his life for you. He's constant. True friends are constant. So a friend we said in Proverbs when we talked about constant friends, we said a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. 
Okay, so we talked about how a true friend is always there for you, right? That's what it means when they're constant friends. A true friend is always there for you, even when times are tough, even when it isn't easy. And so Jesus is a constant friend in a way that no human friend could ever be. You guys have friends, and they might be constant in the sense that you can always pick up the phone and text them and call them, and that's about as as constant as you can get with friends, unless you are roommates in college, and and then you'll live together for a period of time. That's an even kind of closer constancy to friendship. But Jesus' constancy and his friendship is even greater. He said his last words to his disciples in the book of Matthew are these. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Talk about a constant friend. Jesus tells us that he is with us always when we're asleep, when we're awake, when we're born, when we die. He's with us always And the end that he puts on that is the end of the age, the end of the world. Until the end of all time, I am constantly with you. And you might ask, how is that, right? How could Jesus do that? And the answer, theologically, is through the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is described throughout Scripture as the Spirit of Christ. This is Jesus' Spirit that is given to those who come to him and follow him And so we have Jesus literally with us when we come and become his followers. That his spirit is with us. And it's not like your conscience. This is not what we're we're not talking about that I, you know, kind of think about what's right and what's wrong sometimes. What he's talking about is that at any moment of any day, in any situation, in any location, you can say, Jesus help me, and he's there. And you can pray, and he's there, literally. You can be on a desert island. You can be cast away. You can be Tom Hanks hanging out with Wilson out on the island, and Jesus is with you, and you can talk to him, and you are not alone, okay? Um, I was listening to Moody Radio the other day, and someone had a testimony. They said, something happened in my life, and I was so mad at Jesus that I didn't talk to him for six months. Right? That's actually not that uncommon, you know, that that there are people that maybe believe in Christ, maybe think about you. When was the last time you genuinely prayed? When was the last time you genuinely talked to Jesus? But they said that they heard a Moody program come on and they were convicted and they immediately started praying again and talking to Jesus again. Now, my immediate thought with that is Jesus was right there waiting for that person that whole time. That silence was from one direction. Okay, and, and so what we see in scripture is that Jesus, you know, he didn't get tired after a month or two and then go off in a huff and say, well, when you're ready to talk to me, maybe I'll listen. No, he was constantly there. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, waiting and ready to hear and respond to this person and what they had to say. And that's true for you. No matter how long it's been since you have genuinely entered into a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is there ready to hear from you. That's what's an amazing thing about our friend. We may stray. God forbid we may stop going to church. We might start indulging in things that we really shouldn't. We might take long periods of time before reading our Bible. 
No matter what, Jesus is always there, ready to hear us if we'll just turn to him again. We often let Christ down. He's always faithful. Not that he ignores our faults, but he forgives them when we repent and he loves us too much to leave us where we are. So Jesus is close, Jesus is constant, and Jesus is candid. Because remember, who remembers what candid means? What do we say candid means? Yeah, Noel. Honest. Yeah, honest, kind of blatantly honest sometimes, right? Can you guys think of any time when Jesus was blatantly honest? Like, you read what he says in the Gospels and you think, ooh, wow, it kind of felt like a zinger, you know? If, if I was there, that would, that would kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah, right. Exactly. So Peter, you know, Jesus is teaching that the Son of Man came to be suffer, to suffer and die and rise again in three days. And Peter rebukes him. He says, Jesus, you know, like, cut it out. You're bumming everybody out. Stop saying that you're going to go and, like, die. And, and Jesus turns and says to him, get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Peter's in the inner three closest friends of Jesus. And he just called him Satan. That, that hurts, right? That's a candid friend. But I mean, you think about what Peter's saying. Peter is saying, Jesus, don't die for everybody. And Jesus is very candid in his response. Can you guys think of any other times when Jesus was really candid? When he was like grilling the Pharisees about how they Yeah, his conversations with the Pharisees are very candid, right? He calls them a bunch of things, but one of them he calls them his whitewashed tombs, right? He basically says, you guys are like a bunch of pretty makeup on the outside, death on the inside type people. You can paint a tomb white and make it look all nice, but inside you got dead, rotting corpses, and that's what you are. He's very candid. He calls them hypocrites over and over and over because they were, right? And they were leading the people away from God, and Jesus wasn't afraid to call them hypocrites and be candid with them. Good. Any other examples? I have at least one more in mind of when Jesus was candid. Yeah? In the temple when he's driving up money changers and everyone calling them robbers. Yeah, sure. Yeah, saying that this was, God intended this to be a place of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. Yeah. You guys know the woman at the well? story? You guys remember the woman at the well? Do you remember what candid thing Jesus said to the woman at the well? Anything come to mind there? She comes, she, he asks her to get water, and then Jesus says, go and, and call your husband. Anybody remembers what she said? I have no husband. I have no husband, and, and then Jesus responded. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jesus says, um, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. You think that felt real nice and fluffy on the inside for that woman who's kind of trying to hide her past from Jesus and just saying, oh, I'm not married, you know, I, I can't go get my husband. Probably didn't feel great, but, but what Jesus doing is he's cutting to the core of who she is, right, and where she's been so that he can give her this eternal life that she needs, right? This, this water that if she drinks it, she will never thirst again. So Jesus is very candid in all these instances. And Jesus is very candid with us. Listen to what Jesus says to all people. And, and hear this 
just imagine if you were just to walk around with these two verses in your evangelism to your friends and say, let me share a little something with you that Jesus said. Jesus says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Warm, fuzzy feelings. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So not Jesus came to be everyone's friend, but if you don't accept him, you're condemned. And in John 8, he says, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is candid about the fact that we're all going to hell if we don't believe in him. And by being this candid, Jesus is the greatest friend. Because what kind of friend would just say, you know what, you're okay. Don't listen to what other people say about you. You're, You're all right just the way you are. Don't ever change. When in reality, you're walking straight to an eternity in hell. A true friend like Jesus tells you exactly what's wrong with that and and how you need to change. But Jesus is also careful. Remember, we talked about how friends are candid, but they're also careful, which is incredibly difficult to do. Have you guys ever thought about how hard that is? It's really easy to just be a candid friend. I mean, if you made it your mission in life that I'm just going to tell everybody exactly what I think of them and not care what they say, that wouldn't be too hard. Like, you're dumb, you're ugly, you would get on my nerves, go away, please leave me alone. You know, that, that's, that's, I'm just going to say whatever I think about everybody because I, true friends are candid. That, that wouldn't be so hard. Or you could maybe err on the side of saying, I'm just going to be really careful. I don't want to offend anybody. I want everybody to like me. I want to be on everybody's good side. I'm never going to say anything that might offend or hurt or separate. That's another direction you could go, right? And, and that, you know... Maybe easy is too strong of a word, but it's something that is tempting for us to do. But it's really hard to be both. It's really hard to be someone who's going to commit to being a good enough friend to say candidly, I think you're wrong, I think this is the wrong path, but also say it carefully so that that person will receive it. And this is exactly who Jesus was. We see Jesus as candid, and then we also see that he's careful. Um, There's a passage in Matthew 12 where it's quoting a prophecy about what the Messiah would be, and it it applies this prophecy to Jesus, and it says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Let's think about how careful this is talking about. It's talking about, um, you guys know, around the lake, there's these shoots, they're called reeds, you know, um, they grow up around there. All you have to do is take your little fingers and and pinch it a little bit, right? And you can bruise the reed, and if it's a little top-heavy, it's going to tip over, right, and bend and break in half. Here it's saying that Jesus was so gentle and so careful that a bruised reed, he wouldn't let it break. Or you think about a candle that's just smoldering, just sparking, just a tiny little flame about to go out, and you walk past the candle too quickly and the candle goes out because the wind from behind you will knock it out. And it's saying that a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So Jesus is the truest friend because not only is he candid, he's also incredibly careful in how he comes alongside us and, and nourishes us. And that's why Jesus says, can say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Because he's a, he's a careful friend, a careful savior. So 
Today, the question is, is Jesus your greatest friend? And I don't, let, let's just not pretend that we're all a bunch of Christians in church and we know what the answer is, okay? But let's really think about that. Is Jesus your greatest friend? Could you say that today? You have to start by saying, have you accepted friendship with Jesus on Jesus' terms? I mean, have you just kind of assumed that because Jesus was such a nice guy that he must be my friend? Or are you really entering into a true friendship with Jesus by repenting of your sin, recognizing that you're condemned by sin apart from him, and asking him to forgive you and to save you? Have you really realized that if you have not come to Jesus on his terms, that his blood has not atoned for your sins? That your sins are still upon yourself and that he has not forgiven them? So Jesus says, come to me, the greatest friend, and receive what I have to offer. Um, Have you accepted his friendship and begun a relationship? But maybe you can't say he feels like the closest friend that I have. I imagine that's where most of you would be. Most of you would say, well, I guess the Bible says he's my friend, but if you were to ask me on the spot, is Jesus my closest friend, I really probably couldn't say yes, because it doesn't feel like he's my closest friend. And so to that I would say, as is the case with all friendships, we get out of a friendship what we are willing to put into it, right? That's what we've been saying, is that if you want to really have true friends, you got to be a true friend. you got to be willing to invest time into a relationship why would it be any different with your relationship with Christ? I mean, some of us, I think that we get, we talk about the Holy Spirit and stuff, and we think we're just kind of like waiting for some spiritual thing to happen to us so that we feel closer to Jesus. But the reality is our friendship with Jesus is only going to grow if we invest in it and we put the time into it. And so when we talk about prayer and how often we pray and when we talk about reading our bibles we aren't talking about religious things that you do to look good we're talking about investing in a real living relationship and if we don't do those things if we aren't before god in prayer and and in god's word communing with him why would we expect to have a relationship with him that is growing that actually feels strong or maybe it just sounds ridiculous like um, Katie was saying, that you know we can't see him. Like we're ta- are, we, are we really talking about this? Like we're talking about a guy we can't see, and how we are really our best friend. What would we say to that? Well, know that you're not alone. Know that Christians for thousands and thousands of years have been wrestling with the fact that Jesus saved me, that He should be the greatest friend I have and the closest relationship I have. But I can't see Him. I, I, like we can't sit down and have coffee together. We can't. Sit down and, and talk, you know, in, in the way that I talk with my other friends. Know that that day is coming to an end, okay? I want to read to you First Peter. Peter is talking to the church that is suffering greatly for their relationship with Jesus. They're suffering because they're Christians. And here's what he says to them. He says, though you have not seen him, talking about Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so what Peter's pointing out is, yeah, I know, we don't even see him. And you here you're getting killed for this guy that you can't even see. 
but know that it's going to produce this great joy within you the more you invest in that relationship. And, and here's why. If we get to this song, we get to the last verse, here's what it says. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised, thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest prayer. Talking about this relationship. May we always be coming back to our best friend Jesus. And then he says, soon in glory, bright unclouded. There will be no need for prayer. There's a day that's coming when you're not going to pray to Jesus anymore. You're going to stand right in front of him. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. In other words, the friendship that you experience with Jesus right now is temporary. At least it's temporary in the way that you experience that friendship because a day is coming when you see him face to face. And everything matters on that day about how your friendship with him was now. It all comes to a head on that day as to whether or not you invested in the relationship now. So, so look forward to that day and the fact that Jesus will stand across from you and he will either call you his friend or he'll say, I never knew you. What's it going to be for you? It depends on what you do now. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for these students as they continue to wrestle with the life that you've given them that might feel confusing and difficult. That you have offered them the greatest of offers to be their friend. That you have committed the greatest act of friendship on their behalf by dying for them. Would you give them the grace to accept that friendship for themselves and to invest in that friendship daily so that when they do come face to face with you, oh, it will be a glorious and wonderful and joy-filled experience and not one of dread and horror and disappointment. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.